You're listening to Transmission on 4ZZZ, amplifying the trans and gender non-conforming voices of Brisbane and beyond. Hello, hello, you're listening to Transmission on 4ZZZ. My name is Ez, I use he, him pronouns, and I've got a jam-packed episode of Transmission for you today. It's actually uh, pretty exciting for me, because I got to interview someone that I'm a personal, like, been a fan of for a while, and uh, long before Transmission even existed. So um, I'm very excited to interview Dr. Eve Rees today. They will actually, I spoke to them yesterday, so it will be a pre-recorded interview. Yeah, so that's the special stuff for today. But first up, as usual, we have the Week in Community News and Events. There's actually like quite a bit going on, so I'm going to jump straight into it. So there's the Sapphix Spring Fling, which the location will be at La La Land and Fortitude Valley on Friday, October 7th at 9pm. Sapphix is back with our Spring Fling. Hold on to your flower crowns because this is going to be a big one. Mianjin Sapphic Community is invited to a night of dancing, connecting and springtime joy from 9pm at La La Land. We will have a couple of DJs, a photographer, and a special appearance by a local performer. So yeah, check that one out. There's also the Mystical Menagerie Murder on the Dance Floor, which will be at Backdock Arts, also in the Valley, on Saturday, October 8th from 6pm. There's been a murder on the dance floor. Can you figure out who the killer is before they get you? Immerse yourself in Brisbane's newest variety show, Experience This Halloween, This Murder Mystery features a live game narrator collaborating with burlesque, drag, kink, and sideshow performers of the Brisbane Underground. This show will leave you questioning your moral values more than ever before. So yeah, you're going to have Lord Severus, Busybody, Ophelia Novak, Barbie Banks, Arlo Mythic, and the MC Kanazi. There's also the QC Mental Health Week gathering for 2022. So this will be at New Farm Neighbourhood Centre on Saturday, October 15th from 11am till 3pm. Join us for a community inclusive art workshop, barbecue and games day for all LGBTQIA plus community members and allies to come together, celebrate and discuss community mental health and how inclusive safe spaces can contribute to developing a positive relationship with mental health, the sense of self, and the community through art and alternative board games with the addition of an all-inclusive barbecue. So that's a free event there put on by QC on October 15th down in New Farm. There's also, because it's spooky month, it's Halloween this month, which I'm, I'm a personal fan of Halloween. I think it's a great time of year to be able to dress up and be whoever you want to be for fun, whether that's spooky or not. As a trans person, dressing up is a lot of fun. We're all about it. And Evil Zed, which is going to be a really cool spooky event down at Greases in Fortitude Valley on Saturday, October 29th from about 2 p.m. Yeah, there's going to be like best dressed prizes and stuff like that. But I've actually got a little spot I want to play because it's really good. So we'll have a listen to Evil Zed. Or Triple Z is reanimating the dead and summoning the evil spirits for a Halloween Sonic Slaughter at Greaser Bar on Saturday, 29th October. Evil Z is our multi-genre party. And in the garage, we have Digital, Bacchus Harsh, Namshub, Hallucinogenic versus Cardiac Arrest, Mac and Schizoid B2B Synonymics, Sniffer Dog, SLK, Xenolith, 
B Rock and Radley, Sam P3. Sound provided by PK Sound and Lighting by Lightbomb. Prizes for best costume from Berserk Clothing. This is going to be a hell of a party. Saturday, 29th of October. Get your tickets for Evil Z through Moshtix now. $25 full price or $20 for four Triple Z subs. Yeah, that sounds sick. I'm so excited. So yeah, punk, thrash, metal, techno, bass, hardcore, and some drum and bass in there as well. Also, the snouts are playing, which there's a track that we play quite regularly on transmission by the snouts called Five Times, also known as the Dysphoria song by a lot of people who listen. Yeah, they'll be performing as well. So uh, hopefully a lot of transmission crew will be there as well, celebrating some Halloween and some spooky stuff. In the sort of long-term slash short-term future in November, there's Revel in the Queer, which will be at Brisbane Powerhouse in New Farm on Saturday, November 26th from 3pm onwards. Come one, come all to the Pleasure Dome as Revel in the Queer takes over in an exhilarating celebration of the young and the young at heart. Young LGBTQIA plus and questioning people are invited to this uplifting safe space for an afternoon extravaganza of queer culture and identity. Roll up with friends, family, your dog and even your nan, to enjoy a queer megamix of talent from across Australia. Revel in the afternoon sun, rejoice in spectacular performances, delight in delicious food, and connect with the community to conjure bright futures together. This is a free event. All the events that I'm actually mentioning this morning on Transmission can also, there'll be a link and everything up on the Transmission Facebook page, at Transradio with Z, so you can check all these awesome things out. We are now going to do some news. So... This is sort of a bit of context for this one. So California governor signs bill offering legal refuge to trans kids and their families. So just a bit of an update in Alabama and some of the southern states uh, and more conservative states of the U.S., they've made it very difficult for families to help trans minors have access to gender affirmation care, including medical care, puberty blockers, and other forms of hormone therapy. So the governor of California has so governor gavin newsom signed a bill thursday that aims to legally protect transgender youths and their parents if they flee conservative states that have restricted access to gender affirming care the bill seeks to offer refuge to trans minors and their families if they're being criminalized in their home states state senator scott weiner who introduced the bill said on twitter after newsom signed it Weiner said states like Texas and Alabama are seeking to tear these families apart, referring to efforts in both states to bar parents from providing their trans kids with medical care. So this is some really good news. This is really cool that uh, the governor of California is actually trying to allocate some spaces so people can flee and do the right thing by their kids and protect them and protect their families. So yeah, that's some... There is some good news coming out of the U.S., albeit from a pretty bad situation. But yeah, I just thought I'd like to share that this morning because it's good to see that there are there are some progress being made in terms of protecting really vulnerable trans community members, whether that be at home here in Australia or overseas. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. We're now about to go listen to some music. This one here is by Ryan Casada and Rilla Kill, Fake Love. This track does require a language warning, so if you've got sensitive ears, maybe tune out for the next three minutes. (laughs) 
That right there was June Jones, If Only, featuring Katie Day. You're listening to Transmission on 4ZZZ. My name is Ez, and I use he, him pronouns. Transmission is all about amplifying the voices of the trans and gender non-conforming community of Mianjin and around the world, in Australia, and everywhere, with a, with a priority on only playing trans and gender non-conforming artists. So all the music that you hear will be by trans and gender non-conforming artists, usually, if I can, focusing on local and Australian. Yeah, uh, June Jones is an absolute legend. I had the luxury of meeting her recently, and she's just so cool. So yeah, it's absolute privilege to play her music on the 4ZZZ Airways. We've got now a really cool segment. So I got to speak to Dr. Eve Rees, who is a writer, historian, podcaster, and transgender advocate. Their work extends across many mediums from TV appearances with Channel 10's The Project, having regular history segments on ABC Radio Melbourne, as well as features on Triple R and 3CR. Eve uses they, them pronouns. And I got to chat to them yesterday about a new release of theirs. They actually have been uh, co-editing a book called Nothing to Hide, which is Voices of Trans and Gender Diverse Australia. It's fantastic. Actually, I've been flicking through it. I still haven't had a chance to fully read it, but I'm absolutely loving all these different stories that have been collated together. So yeah, let's. without further ado, let's just jump straight into my discussion with Dr. Eve about lots of things, lots of cool things. So, um, would you like to say your name and your pronouns? I'm uh, Eve Reeds, and my pronouns are they, them. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I, I just wanted to start with uh, a question uh, in relation to uh, all about Eve. So, I was first introduced to your work, yeah, in 2021, and how has life been since the launch of that, since e- All About Eve? It's been a bit of a whirlwind, I have to say. Um, you know, it's one thing to kind of write a book, which is like challenging and hard and amazing in all sorts of ways. But um, yeah, I discovered there's this sort of whole other world that exists on the other side of publishing a book, which is promoting the book, which is can be amazing because you get to meet readers and travel to some really cool places around the country and go to lots of writers' festivals. But, yeah, it's also, like, pretty time-consuming and tiring at times. Um, I don't think I realised until this last year how much the kind of the book, um, the publishing industry is structured around kind of authors individually promoting their books and kind of getting out and talking to people. So that's been a big part of my last year. I've gone to, yeah, writers' festivals, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Uh, Adelaide, Byron Bay, you know, lots of other places, which has been a real, real honour because, you know, writing a book can be a pretty lonely experience. And I wrote my book largely in lockdown and it was published in lockdown. And so it just feels so magical to like meet people, like real live three-dimensional people who um, have read my book and connected with it in some way or found it meaningful and, you know, and then wait around to, you know, come to see me talk and wait around to get the book signed. So uh, there's been some real highs because of that. It's also been an eventful year because I had top surgery in November last year. Yeah, which was super excited. It was it was a stressful period beforehand because it was just like it was when there were still restrictions on elective surgery here in Victoria where I'm based. So I was 
you know, as as listeners of this show would know, like there's often a really long, you know, wait time to get top surgery. And so I'd been, you know, planning it for years and years by that point. And then two weeks out, I was told that the surgery was going to be cancelled because of the ban on elective surgery. And like I was going to have to wait another six months for a rescheduled appointment. So I was, you know, understandably pretty upset and went through this whole kind of grieving process and coming to terms with it. And then a few days later, the government restrictions changed really suddenly. So then they're like, surprise, your surgery is back on. <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, obviously happy, but I was like, oh my God, I, my head can't get, like, it's such an emotional roller coaster. My head kind of can't get around it. But that was amazing. Um, and yeah, and I've also in the last year um, released this co edited anthology called Nothing to Hide which is a book that's a collection of trans storytelling from all around. Yes, I, I quite I quite like it. <laughs> it's yeah, great. And, yeah, I'm four editors and been working really hard over the last few years to get that out. But, it, yeah, it was finally um, came out about a month ago at the beginning of September, and that's been a real joy to see that out in the world. Yeah, I'm, I have to say, uh, in terms of yeah, nothing to hide. I was just talking to my my uh, co-producer Kai about this, and we were saying that it's so amazing to see something like nothing to hide because its trans stories are just so unique from person to person. Like everyone has such a unique trans experience, and that's what makes this kind of book so invaluable as well because it's like it, it's such a great platform for. Uh, unique stories and individual stories to be amplified because there are just there are just some trans stories I could never relate to because it's just not my experience. It's fantastic. Uh, I I do implore people to pick it up. Yeah. So I guess all this all this stuff ever since you know like coming out of lockdown has really been a really great trajectory for you uh, as a trans advocate. Are you tired? Are you tired of advocating? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am pretty tired. Um, look, I mean, I think what I've what I've learned over the last couple of years is to like be a bit more targeted in where I put my energy. Um, like as a trans advocate, you know, I really feel like I want to be here for the long haul. And to do that, I need to do it in ways that are sustainable because, you know, we all know the work can be really exhausting and dispiriting. And, you know, if one just spends all your time on Twitter getting angry about, like, the latest turf outrage, which I did for some time, you know, that's a pretty surefire recipe to burn out pretty quickly. Um, and I've kind of been inspired in this by an older trans advocate here in Nam that I've become friendly with called Julie Peters. She's in her 70s now. She's been kind of publicly out as trans and a trans advocate since the early 90s. She was the first person in Australia to stand as like a first trans person to stand as a um, member of parliament back with the Democrats in, in the mid nineties. So she's been doing this stuff for like over 30 years and she's like really all about, yeah, kind of maintaining your energy and sort of stepping back when you need to, knowing that there'll always be another kind of fight or, or battle. So I suppose to me, that's kind of been about like trying to step away from social media a bit and the immediacy of those like day to day outrages, because I've sort of, learned the hard way that they expend a lot of energy, but, you know, writing an angry tweet doesn't actually like, change that much in the world. And, you know, and try to focus on, on you know, what I think I do best, which is being a writer and a storyteller and um, advocate. And, 
you know, that work actually feels much more rewarding. It's, again, if one spends all your time online, it can easy, be easy to feel really dispirited about the persistence of transphobia. But I've found when I speak to, like, roomfuls of actual people, you know, most actual people are pretty empathetic and open-minded. And, like, I keep having these conversations with, you know, older women, grandparents who say, like, I've got a non-binary grandchild or a trans grandchild and... It's just really heartening that they like want to learn and they love their grandchild and they want to support them however they can. And, you know, this is all new to them and a bit scary and unsettling in some ways, but like the goodwill is there. And so I suppose that like those human face-to-face interactions I find really nourishing and kind of give me energy rather than just kind of take energy away. It is. It's quite, it's quite healing actually, especially in spaces where you're physically meeting people who aren't part or identify with uh, trans community members or even LGBTQIA plus in general, you know, when they're completely on the outside and when they're actually confronted face to face with a conversation with a trans person, they're like, huh, wow, this is a lot less scary than all the media made it out to be or all the, you know, it's great. And it is healing. I can imagine that being healing. Yeah. And I suppose I sort of recognize that, um, you know, because of like my various forms of privilege as like a, you know, a white middle class university educated person who works at university, like I'm sort of, you know, I'm a kind of palatable trans person. (laughs) um, I've not been exposed to the queer community, you know, feel kind of relatively comfortable around. So I suppose I try to think of myself as like a bit of a gateway drug. You can meet me, have a conversation about like pronouns or bathrooms, you know, realize trans people are not that scary. And hopefully- next article will be um, uh, get- Gateway Drug Trans uh, Dr. Evries. <laughs> it's like the, I'll be at the front door, I'll let you in. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I see my role, I suppose, just to like, you know, be that kind of pretty unthreatening, friendly face that kind of lets people into exploring these really amazing and provocative, but I think really, you know, are really important ideas. Yeah. Um, and thank you. Thank you for doing that. Cause uh, I think, cause I identified as non-binary for a few years while I was very much gender confused. And mm. I sort of was like exploring that spectrum of gender or, or however people see gender really. And um, I remember reading all about Eve and thinking, gosh, I, it was one of those books, by the way, where I had to like, I read like a couple of pages and I have to put it down and pace, you know, like <laughs> I'd have to pace for a little bit being like, oh, there's a lot of information for me to digest. And, and also when you see your stories as a trans person reflected in media, whether that be in books or television, radio, what have you, it's always so like cathartic to be able to go, oh, wow, this person has had a similar thing to me, but slightly different. Oh, that's nice to know. Um, and there's also lots of different experiences that we get to have. Um, speaking of experiences, I wanted to know a bit about, because since you're involved in a lot of, you've you've been on TV a couple of times and you've been in a lot of academic and journalistic spaces. What's that been like throughout your transition? <laughs> Has it been challenging? Like, um, Yeah, it's like, it's complicated, I suppose. Um, like on the one hand, I really enjoy being in lots, like doing lots of different type of work and doing, you know, like doing stuff on TV and radio and journalism and academic spaces because I think that's just sort of the way my brain works is I just like find it fun and interesting to learn lots of different skills and be in different workplaces and learn different forms of communicating. 
Um, you know, in, in my main day job, I'm a, I'm a history academic and, you know, academics are conventionally just like really meant to be quite narrow in their focus and just kind of go really deep on one topic and skill set. But I suppose what I've been learning about myself is that I like doing lots of things. I like being a bit of a kind of jack of all trades, a bit of a dilettante. Um, and I think I've got a bit of a, like a repressed drama kid about me. So I quite like the performing um, element of, you know, <laughs> radio or TV or public speaking. It can be really fun to do that and a nice change from the kind of more solitary elements of researching and writing. But that said, I mean, I suppose it is like complicated to be in public, especially when, you know, I'm like actively transitioning. You know, I've been on testosterone since March 2021, so about 18 months now. And so my body has been changing that whole time. You know, as as happens on tea, my voice has broken and it's sort of stabilised a bit now, but there was a really awful period a few months back when I was doing quite a lot of public speaking and my voice was just doing that awful teenage boy thing of going like all over the place and like suddenly going up the scale and down and like cracking and sounding hoarse. And it was just like quite excruciating, to be honest, to like be speaking in public and trying to act like, oh, yeah, like I'm a like professional who deserves to be here. I've got my shit together. But also like I voice, I can't control my own voice. <laughs> it sounds like a really awkward thing in a boy. <laughs> It was so relatable. I, I've worked in retail spaces and sales. And for some yeah. reason, when my voice cracked, it was like, it would be fine in conversation with people at home, you know, my private life. The second I had to be on air, the second I had to talk to someone who I thought was attractive, that's it. Oh. My voice decided to just go all over the place. Uh, so it's very relatable. You're listening to Transmission, an interview between myself, Ez, and Dr. Eve Rees down in Nam. Uh, we're going to have a quick break before we jump back into our interview with them. We're going to listen to a track by the Lazy Susans, Are You Okay? <laughs> Amplifying the voices of the trans and gender non-conforming community of Mianjin, Brisbane and beyond. Transmission on 4ZZZ brings you the latest in trans community news, music and events. Every Tuesday from 9am till 10am. Join our team of hosts for an hour of celebrating the unique perspectives of the trans community. Transmission, Tuesday mornings from 9am till 10am on 4ZZZ. You're listening to Transmission on 4ZZZ, and we're now about to jump back into the second part of an interview with Dr. Eve Rees down in Nam, who is a writer, historian, podcaster, and transgender advocate. Uh, yeah, Eve is great. Uh, we talk a little bit about some trans history now. Uh, Eve uses they, them pronouns. I'm going to hit play. With the power of representation, um, what what do you what do you think that means to you? What does trans representation in media mean for you? Oh, I think it's um, you know it's life saving, really. To be honest, um, I only recognised I was trans at the age of thirty because of the increased cultural representation I was exposed to. Um, you know, growing up as a kid in the in the nineties in Newcastle. 
you know, there was almost no trans representation and what was there was really stigmatised and pejorative and largely about trans women. So there were sort of no models of what I could be and it was only because I started to see, like, trans masculine and non-binary stories represented that I was like, oh, that kind of sounds like me. Um, and that is really what has motivated to write my book all about Eve and co-edit Nothing to Hide because... You know, I mean, as as trite as that saying can sound, I really believe it's true that, you know, you can't be what you can't see, that we all learn how to human through the kind of social and cultural scripts we have available to us. And there's a really strong kind of ethical and political imperative to make those scripts as diverse and messy as possible to reflect the actual messiness and diversity of human experience and, you know, to allow us all to become the most fully realised versions of ourselves. I've been thinking a lot about the power of cultural representation the last few days because I've been watching the reboot of Heartbreak High on Netflix and just like... So um, impressed by, you know, all the different identities that are represented. You know, it's got like non-binary characters, so many queer characters, different iterations, autism, like asexuality is represented. And, you know, as a person who sort of identifies on the A spectrum myself, I found it like extraordinary to see an ace character represented as like a complex and lovable human being. Like I wept seeing that because I realised that I never, well, A, that I'd never seen that before on, you know, in mainstream culture, but B, that because I'd never seen that, I'd internalised all these ideas about, you know, sexual, like hypersexuality being natural and normal and any deviation from that being somehow deviant and wrong and broken and, you know, I had so much kind of internal criticism of myself because I'd never seen asexuality depicted in not even a positive way, but just in a kind of normalised everyday way. We also need to be conscious that, you know, representation alone is not enough. Like, you know, a kind of trans liberation politics also requires legal reforms. It requires, you know reforms to Medicare, um, like all sorts of kind of pragmatic structural things about legislation and resources. But that said, you know, uh, I do think cultural representation is a really important kind of initial phase in any liberation project because it allows people to see themselves and build community and it also allows allies to emerge and to kind of get on side these broader political changes. You are fantastic. Thank you. I, I have um, one final question to ask you. Since it is Trans History Month and you're a trans historian, yeah. <laughs> do you have any cool uh, piece of historical knowledge uh, to share with any of our trans listeners from any of Australia's trans past or something that you found particularly interesting through your research endeavours? Ah, that's a really good question. I mean, I sort of sometimes feel like a bit of an imposter in this space because I am trans and I am a historian, but my main historical research doesn't actually focus on trans or even on queer history. So, you know, there are, as a disclaimer, I should say there are other people out there much, you know, more well-equipped to answer this question than me. You do focus um, a lot with um, femin feminism as well and feminist history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 My, my focus has largely been, you know, history of women and feminism and, and gender relations in Australia more broadly. Though I think for me, the big, the big kind of thing I find so fascinating is just how much trans history there is kind of hiding in plain sight. You know, even if you just go to 
there's a wonderful resource for Australian history called Trove. It's run by the National Library of Australia. It's basically like a digitised and searchable database of all these historical newspapers and magazines, but also like government documents and government gazettes and a whole and photographs and, you know, all these amazing resources, oral histories as well. Just through looking at that, um, you know, just through searching on Trove, um, you know, from comfort of one's own bed or, or lounge room, you can just find like so much evidence of, you know, what we might now call trans or, you know, proto-trans people in mainstream Australia, you know, all, all through the colonial history. Um, you know, of course, they weren't called trans then because that's a more modern term, but people, you know, who were called as like cross-dressers or things like he-she's were so often um, discussed in, in the mainstream newspapers of the day. And I mean, the tragic reason is that they were discussed is because they were so they were criminalised, even though, you know, in Australia, it wasn't technically illegal to be a crossdresser. Uh, vagrancy laws were often often kind of weaponized against people who were seen as like gender deviant in public. And so they would be kind of charged with vagrancy when the real problem about them was that they were kind of breaking the gender rules. And so it's sort of, you know, it's on one level, it's heartbreaking that that's how we get access to our history through like people being over-policed essentially. But it's also kind of just exciting that there's so much there that, you know, contrary to what all those kind of contemporary conservatives like to say about, you know, non-binary or trans being like a newfangled woke trend, that there's so much kind of um, gender diversity uh, throughout Australia's colonial history. And then, of course, if we look beyond that, I mean, there's so much evidence of gender diversity in First Nations cultures around the world, including in the continent we now call Australia. So I suppose, you know, this is a kind of more general comment than a little tidbit, but I think what excites me about trans history is that it makes you realise that the gender binary is kind of the weird anomalous thing. Like if we look at all of human history across time and space, there is so much evidence of gender diversity that the kind of, you know, more recent 20th century white Western idea that there's only two genders and that's, you know, natural and inevitable and limited and that's all there ever has or will be. That's like the weird blip. That's the weird historical anomaly that has hardly ever been around. And that's really exciting. Thank you so much, Eve, for spending time with me today. And you're you're excellent. Uh, if anyone would like to check out or know anything about Nothing to Hide, I'll put a link up on the Transmission Facebook page at Trans Radio with a Z, and you can check all that out there. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. So there you go. That was my interview there with Dr. Eve Reese. Yeah, it was awesome discussion. I thought I'd split it up over two parts of the episode today because we just had so much cool stuff to talk about and I didn't want anyone to miss out. So yeah, the incredible book, yeah, Nothing to Hide, Voices of a Trans and Gender Diverse Australia is pretty cool. Actually, I'm going to read like the back blurb because it sort of en encompasses a bit about what it is. Uh, Nothing to Hide is Australia's first mainstream anthology of trans and gender diverse writing. While there has been unprecedented trans visibility in Australia in the last decade, this visibility not has not always been positive, shadowed at every step by transphobic misinformation and extremist rhetoric. As a counter to the harmful 
chorus of anti-trans voices, this collection features the work of 32 trans and gender diverse people across the spectrum of age, race, geography and circumstance. The writers give voice to their communities and tell their own stories on their own terms, showcasing the wealth of creativity within the trans and gender diverse community and providing illuminating insights into the challenges and joys of trans experience. Nothing to Hide is a powerful contribution to Australian literature. Um, I've been flicking through and there's so many different stories from a variety of different backgrounds. Some of them really, really intense. Some of them definitely require some trigger warnings. And some of them are extremely heartwarming. Most of them are heartwarming. And it's just fantastic. So yeah, if you want to check all that sort of stuff out from Dr. Eve Rees, you can head over to the Transmission Facebook page at Trans Radio with Z. Yeah, you're listening to Transmission on 4ZZZ. If you're tuning in right now, we are about to uh, go to some music. This one here is by... The Cutaways, a local band with the million tiny pieces. Thank you so much for tuning in to Transmission today. Yeah, it's been a great episode. Thanks for tuning in. If there's anything that you missed out that you'd like to listen back to, you can head over to the Transmission Facebook page at Transradio with a Z. There's links to the 4 Z On Demand. There's links to our podcast. There's lots of different ways you can listen back anytime you like. So yeah, head over there at Transradio with a Z. On that note, see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Transmission. See you next Tuesday, 9 to 10 a.m. on 4 Z. Thank you.